0: We cannot stop telling about everything we've seen and heard. That's our theme verse from Acts chapter 4, verse 20 for this week's Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. Senior Pastor Perry Duggar will continue in our series, Church Empowered, with this week's episode titled, Boldness. If you want to watch the video of this week's message, listen to worship, or search through our message archives, visit brookwoodchurch.org watch or download the Brookwood Church app. We pray this message encourages you in your walk with Christ.
1: Y'all stand back up a minute. I want to hear us say what, boy, what Maria led us so wonderfully then. Hallelujah, our God reigns. Let me hear it. Hallelujah, our God reigns. Have you noticed there's no place for fear to occupy you when you're declaring Praise to God like that. Today we do continue our survey of acts that I've called church empowered. Be church expanded in the spring, but church empowered the first eleven chapters or first twelve. I can't remember now. Um, today's message is entitled "Boldness." The theme verse, taken from this passage, and if you have downloaded. The resources, or if you're looking at them on your smartphone, the theme verse I chose is from Acts chapter 4 at verse 20, and it says, we cannot stop telling everything we have seen and heard. Does that verse describe you? Or are you afraid to tell others about your faith? about your experience. I know you're not, Linda, but you got to help a few others in here too. Today, we will see that Peter and John were opposed after healing a lame man and preaching that Jesus was the resurrected Messiah from Old Testament prophecy. And we will, I hope, Learn also how to respond to confrontation, to resistance with boldness. Exercising boldness includes first encountering opposition. Acts chapter 4, we begin at verse 1. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priest, these were the the ordinary priests that conducted uh, sacrifice and burned incense and all that daily in the the temple. There were 24 different groups and they would rotate through. So the priest, the captain of the temple guard, this was like the, the, the police chief. The Romans allowed the Jews to have a police force that Uh, manage the temple area the temple itself and the and the uh, temple area temple grounds and they were all Levites. Levites were the ones who worked in the temple as well and some of the Sadducees. Now the Sadducees were one of four sects. Y'all got that word didn't you? All right who can name them? Say it louder. I can't tell with the man. Zealots. Oh, look at that. He got an obscure one to start. What else? Pharisees, yes. Two more. Sadducees, which I just named. Who's the fourth? Essenes. Very good. And it's on the board now. I didn't want y'all. I wanted to see if you had that, but that's very good. Now, let me tell you a little bit about these sects. In today's culture, they could have thought four sexes, but there aren't four sexes, there are two genders, but there are four main sects in Israel. There were minor ones too. The Pharisees were committed to obeying the law of Moses, but also they created their own traditions interpreting the law of Moses. Now, they believed in the afterlife, They embraced the resurrection of the dead, so they would have been considered conservative towards Scripture. However, they were rebuked by Jesus because of their legalism and because they tried to enforce their interpretations or their traditions as well as the Scripture. The Essenes separated from society in preparation for the end of the world. And they thought it was soon to come, that it was imminent. The Essenes produced what writings? Dead Sea Scrolls, Scrolls. yeah, I've toured that area. It was just out in the wilderness. The Zealots also believed that the end of the world was soon, but they believed their role in bringing about the end of the world would be inciting violent revolution against the Roman occupiers. The Sadducees, who are mentioned in this passage, these were very influential. They were not a large group, but they were extremely political. They tended to be wealthy landowners. They were aristocrats, and they they just wanted to get along with Rome. See, they were in a good place, so they didn't want Rome messing with them. They they did not believe in an afterlife or spirit beings or a bodily resurrection. They rejected the sovereignty of God and they believed instead that man was master of his own destiny. So we would characterize them as much more liberal in their approach towards Scripture. So we continue in verse 2. The leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there is a resurrection of the dead. See, the Sadducees wanted to silence this teaching. Beware when someone wants to silence you. Which, because see, it challenged their doctrine, it challenged their authority. But also, they were they were, as I said, they were elitist. So they looked down on these two, you know, untutored, uncultured, uneducated men. They weren't qualified to speak on theological matters, to speak like rabbis. So they had them arrested, or they arrested them. And since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. See, Jewish law did not allow trials at night. You say, but what about Jesus? Wasn't he tried in the middle of the night, wasn't he? Yeah, they broke their own law. To try Jesus when there was no crowd around in the middle of the night. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. And so the number of believers now totaled about 5,000 men and women and children also, not counting the women and children. So what a great response there had been to that healing followed by the preaching. The next day, the council of all the rulers... The rulers were the chief priests, current and former chief priests. And elders, the elders were the heads of the various tribes and families. And teachers of religious law. So the teachers of the religious law would be mostly from what sect? Pharisees, Pharisees, yes. They were lawyers. They studied the law. They, They advocated the law and they met in Jerusalem. So this group together was called what, you know? What'd you say? Somebody said it over here. Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin had 71 members. The Sanhedrin was the ruling body of the country. Now understand, the, the, the political and the religious were one So the law they followed was the law of Moses. So they were the ruling body and also the Supreme Court. However, they ruled under the authority of the Romans who could overrule them, you see? So they ruled the country by Rome's permission. Annas, the high priest, was there along with Caiaphas. Now, here's a little political activity going on. Annas was not the high priest at this time. Rome had deposed him. He was a little too independent. He was a little too strong, you see. So they just set him aside and they gave the office to his son-in-law, Caiaphas. But Annas was still the real power. And so he's named as the high priest here, though he didn't occupy the office formally at this time. Also, John Alexander... And other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples. They they would place them in the center of the room. And then the Sanhedrin would sit in a semicircle around them to question them. And they demanded. By what power or in whose name. in In other words, under whose authority have you done this? Because, see, they hadn't given them authority to speak on religious matters. Now, Jesus had warned his disciples they would face opposition. Hadn't he? Does that warning apply to us? Then why are we so shocked when it happens? And this warning to them and to us applies. When we stand firm and we speak for Christ, for faith generally, but also for biblical morality, when we refuse to be shouted down, to be silenced, I believe part of this cultural drift morally is because we've been so afraid to speak even in our own families, even in our own families. Have you ever experienced opposition or mistreatment for your faith? Have you? Let me see hands. Of any kind. Well, do you think then something's wrong that you experienced that? You've been promised that. And the scripture tells us for all, All who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Exercising boldness includes engaging opportunities. So see, the Sanhedrin's question provided Peter an opening. Verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, that's key, don't miss this, Be sure you're filled with the Spirit before you open your mouth. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? So subtly, Peter's actually accusing the Sanhedrin of injustice of a lack of concern for this man who'd been suffering his whole life. I mean, they had just been arrested for healing a lame man. Now, it was also for preaching, but it was brought about first by this healing. How could that be wrong? And he continued, Well, do you want to know how he was healed? Do you think they wanted to know how he was healed? But see, publicly, that was a completely defensible and wise statement as people stood around and watched. And he asked them, okay, are we being arrested for this? Well, do you want to know how it happened? That's a completely reasonable question. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. The man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone, that's Psalms 118. Okay, put yourself in Peter's position. You're being challenged, people are watching What do you do and what do you say? How many of us would have said nothing and might have even apologized? I think sometimes we have a tendency to start apologizing when we aren't wrong. Because we're so insecure, so threatened by any type of conflict. If you're going to stand for Christ, you're going to experience conflict. Now, I'm not saying be ugly. Always be, be humble. Peter could have protected himself. He could have apologized. He could have said, oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I really shouldn't have spoken without your uh, permission. But instead, instead, he took their question and he took it farther. And he said, well, you care about stopping me for what I, do you care about this man and do you want to know how this happened? because remember who these people are these are religious leaders they are representatives of God they should have been more interested in knowing what's going on spiritually than anybody else so he's exposing their what their hypocrisy their hypocrisy. Because they want to be the representatives of God without being subject to God. You see that? And so he proclaims the resurrection to the very people that one disbelieved it. But the very people who promoted putting Jesus to death. He confronted them. He didn't become defensive. You know, sometimes folks, I think if we're asked a question and if it has a little edge to it, we suddenly get all defensive, don't we? But if we're filled with the spirit, we should know what we're called to do and say. And so we don't apologize for Christ. We, now, again, we don't do this in an arrogant or an angry way. And so sometimes you might have to apologize for your manner, but we don't apologize for Christ, you see. Well, wasn't Peter just being reckless? Wouldn't it be wiser to be quiet? No. He was bold. He was filled with the Spirit. He was committed to God's purposes. Instead of his own preservation. Verse 12 There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The pathway of salvation is extremely narrow. So see, what Peter's doing is not just rebuking them, he's also instructing them in truth. He's offering these religious leaders the chance to embrace Jesus as Messiah. The Messiah that they said they were looking for. And he's telling them how to receive salvation. I think boldness means standing firm and speaking when facing a threat. Now here's, hold on to your seat. I got a little rebuke for us. It doesn't mean speaking anonymously on social media. I don't have it. So, when I speak, I don't know who I'm offending because I don't have Facebook, I don't have Twitter, I don't have what else is there? Instagram. Chat, Instagram, DMing is something, right? DM, that means dumb man, right, doesn't it? <laughs> You're not being bold when you sling rocks anonymously. And I've been told, and again, since I don't have it, I don't know, that some of us are damaging other people in this church by making these very bold statements and accusations. There's no place for that. There's no place for that. Peter told his adversaries that their teaching Was being fulfilled. See he didn't say it. But it almost has the, the idea of. Aren't you excited? The Messiah has come. You've been teaching us about this. You've been telling us about this. And now it's being fulfilled. Don't you care? But how did they respond? See we've got to understand this. If we truly care about people, all people, we will be more concerned about telling them how to be forgiven, how to be saved, how to align their lives with Jesus Christ than protecting our popularity or social position. Over the years, I've had some people that left the church after they rebuked me for speaking something biblical. Whether it be homosexual practice, gay marriage, something. Y'all know, I don't beat on any of those things, but I have said them and so I'd be contacted and basically rebuked because if someone was offended and I said, but are you saying this isn't this what the scripture teaches us well yeah but my son but my daughter is really happy now but my son is really happy now i said but the scripture how do you get away from the scripture they decided they just wanted to get away from me and this church folks we we live or die by the scripture It's God's truth for us. And so we boldly proclaim it, but we do it motivated by love. If you don't think you're motivated by love to communicate, then you need to be quiet until your heart is right. Doesn't mean that person will receive it warmly, but you have to be sure of your motivations. You understand? Compromising with people in sin is not kindness. It's cruelty. Perhaps it protects you or me from rejection, but it prevents this person from having the chance to be convicted and to repent and to turn from God. Not everybody is saved this way, some people are saved more gently. I was not saved gently. How many of you were not saved gently? It it was direct confrontation, but it was by the Spirit. And it wasn't an enjoyable experience. But it drove me in desperation to God. Unfortunately, I didn't have a friend around that was walking in Christ and was willing to confront me in my lifestyle. Because I claimed Christianity and immorality at the same time. Are y'all tracking with me here? Judy, they heard it back there. If our culture keeps degrading, it's gonna be even more incumbent on us to be beacons of truth. Because it is very hard to find truth anywhere in media today. There is a rising number of Christian movies and shows, thankfully, but there's still few. So when people possess faith by their own declaration, we should remind them what they are embracing which includes both the theological understanding of it. And sometimes we've just stopped it right there. If you'll believe Jesus was raised from the dead. But no, this is, salvation is an alignment of your entire life with God. So there's also the moral standards of Christ. Isn't that, is that fair? I mean, when we marry, and, and Christianity is, is compared to a marriage, anybody get married and tell their, their spouse, now you can still do anything you want to do morally. Well, then why would we think that God's okay with that? No, no, you've wed my son. Is this reasonable? Verse 13. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. I want y'all to read this closely now. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Here's the point. If you're slinging bombs from behind a rock in social media, they don't know anything about you. I think this needs to be done up close and personal. And if you're on social media and you find someone that even if they disagree with you, but they want to dialogue, then go somewhere, can't you go somewhere private? And I would meet in person, but in a, in a safe place. You see what I'm saying? Even with someone along. Because here's the thing, if all you had was my words, you don't have any reason to have confidence in them. That's why, even though I think doing this TV church is the best we can do for now, it leaves, too, it leaves all the relationship out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you, you need to know, if I'm the guy preaching, you need to know how I act, and I've told you this many times, in a restaurant toward service people when even when my order comes back wrong how do i treat people how do i how do i act at the bank how do i behave in the store how do i live in my neighborhood all those things see those are the things that give us credibility if i lived real high you know and i had this huge mansion you know and i had a lamborghini and all what what would y'all think you see what i'm saying what's that You think, where's he getting his money? Well, I'm telling you, what's coming in in the basket is not deep enough to fund that. I'll grant you that. Y'all might might add a little bit, but but I won't touch it. But it's whole life. See, they could see that these men, though they weren't taught anything, they had been with Jesus. They are not like we expected these fishermen to be. The people around you know you don't fit in. You don't, you don't quite, you don't really go with the flow. You're not just dying for people to, to, to love you. That you care more about God and truth and faith than you do getting invited to all the parties. And do they know you've been with Jesus. I'm not saying be, be ugly about and critical toward people. If they invite you to a birthday party, go. You see what I'm saying? Because it needs to be Christ in there, not just exclusion. That's not, I don't think that's the way Christ was. These religious leaders were surprised by the behavior and the understanding of these uneducated men. They were impressed by the influence of Jesus on their lives. Now, they weren't drawn to faith by it. They only saw a dilemma, a problem to solve. But you could see at the time of Jesus' crucifixion, there were some Pharisees that believed. But this this group here did not. Verse 14, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing they could say. It's undeniable. Everybody knows this guy has lain at the gate of the temple for years. And so, you know, if there was a way, they might've said, we don't believe that, but there the guy stands and some of you have lives like that. Gosh, I can, there you stand. You're not an addict anymore. You're not caught up in all kinds of immorality anymore. I can't speak against it because I can't explain your life. I can't explain your life. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and they conferred among themselves. Here's the thing for each of us. Does my life, does your life, does your healing from sin and from selfish living confirm the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And do you take opportunities to tell others how they can experience it too? How they can experience it too. Exercising boldness includes expressing convictions, verse 16. What should we do with these men? They asked each other. We, we can't deny they've performed a miraculous sign. Remember the word sign, what it means? Who knows the Greek word? Now you've had all the good answers. You know the Greek word? Simeon, remember that from last week? And it's an indication of divine involvement. So here these are, these these religious skeptics saying, we know they performed a sign, not a trick, not not a sham, a sign of God's involvement. And everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. Peter and John had broken no laws. They'd even correctly used the Old Testament to defend what they had done. The Sanhedrin knew about this this undeniable, miraculous healing, and so did all the people. Verse 17. But to keep them from spreading the news. Look what it says, keep them from spreading their propaganda (laughs) any further. We must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. See, the guy just says, we can't let them spread this propaganda, even though they just said to each other, that guy's standing there healed. See how dishonest, how duplicitous they are in their own words and their motivations So we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never to speak again or teach in the name of Jesus. They don't want the people turning on them. They put Jesus to death. And yet, this miracle confirmed the involvement of God and his endorsement on them. But see, these these Sadducees, particularly, they didn't want any unrest because unrest among the people caused intrusion by the Roman army. They just leave everything alone, leave everything alone. Verse 19. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. Now, isn't that interesting? Have you experienced something that you have to tell and that you have told? Because often They they were commanding these two not to speak, but how often do we have to coax people to speak? Are you filled with the Spirit? Have you had an experience of Christ so that you cannot hold it in? Now, the Bible teaches us to obey the government. Here's a problem, isn't it? Romans 13, 1 Peter 2. But understand this, the government's instituted by God to execute justice. But when the government conflicts with the commands of God, we follow the commands of God. 1 Peter two seventeen closes with this, fear God and respect the king. So you treat the, the king, the government with respect doesn't mean you obey them. You fear God. You obey God. Now you say, well, we should, you know, they're making us do this and I'll wear the mask. Well, there's nothing offensive about God's teaching in this. You, you see what I'm saying? So we, we go along where we can. Acts 4 21, 22. The council then threatened them further but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. It's the first time it tells us how old he was, doesn't it? Or how long he'd been sick. Exercising boldness also includes entreating God's assistance. And treating just means asking for. 23. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voice together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. See, they were faced with opposition. Where did they find comfort? Where'd they find comfort? It's right there. In the spirit, but but specifically this, God is the sovereign creator. The sovereign creator of heaven, of earth, of everything in them. And so they found comfort in who God is, in God's nature. And then they turn to him in prayer, knowing that he controls all things. And, and right now, some of you that are anxious about the virus, about confinement, about the election, God is sovereign. Do you believe that? Because that transcends any fear Doesn't mean we won't have any difficulties at all, but God is sovereign in all things. And then he continues at verse 25. You spoke long ago through your Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, through your ancestor David, saying, Why are the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. So beware the day when the government opposes faith. We must pray about that. We must be prepared about that. That's from Psalms 2, 1 and 2. In fact, this very thing has happened here in this city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate the governor, the Gentiles and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus Your holy servant, whom you anointed as Messiah. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. Again, the sovereignty, the controlling hand of God, even over the crucifixion. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants. Great protection from anything they'll do to us. Is that what it says, Mark? Well, isn't that what we would say? So God, give me protection so nobody can touch me, hurt me, harm me at all or anything of mine. It's not what they prayed, did it? They didn't ask for protection. what they ask for? Boldness to preach. Give us great boldness in preaching your word. Boy, we can be so self-centered, can't we? Oh God, don't let anybody hurt me, touch me. Don't let anybody hack my email. Don't let anybody get into my bank account. Don't let, oh God, just the the world would end if I lost something. But how much do we say, oh God, give me boldness to represent you well in this day. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now, let's ask for that. God, we'd like you to roll in here with some miracles, but not for our glory. We're not going to start a conference where we can collect money. But God, do something that's undeniable to confirm the name of your son. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the third time. And they spoke in tongues here, right? No. See, filling with the Spirit and speaking in tongues aren't always, it's, what happens is what's needed in that instant. And then they preached the word of God with boldness. How many of you want a piece of that? Randy, you want a little bit of that? Ask. Ask for more than you have. You're pretty bold as it is, but ask for more. Do you desire boldness, not to be offensive, not to be aggressive, not to be arrogant, but to humbly tell your faith story, the courage to teach God's truth? You want that? Who wants it? well, then why don't you ask for it? Ask for it. Spiritual practice this week is write down a specific way God has revealed himself to you and ask God for the boldness to share what he's taught you with another person. Ask God to fill you with courage. Our memory verse, as I said, is Acts 4 29. Take some time, learn these verses. Let the Spirit of God apply His truth to your soul. And now, an announcement. I've said this before none of you want our job. You definitely don't want my job. Because we've got one crowd that says, Oh, y'all are too loose on people in those masks. I'm not coming. Then we have another group that says, Oh, no, y'all are just trying to control everybody. I'm not coming. So here's what we're going to do. At 9 a.m., we're gonna have masks and social distancing required. At 11 o'clock, no masks, no social distancing, and you don't have to register for either service as adults. Now, all of you, oh no, no, remember what they said, don't cheer me, cheer that Christ is raised from the dead. (laughs) But all of you that are volunteers, respond to your team leaders. We won't start until November 1st. It's going to give us several weeks. So here's the thing. All of us got to pray our attitudes the right place too. Because we're not going to play this division. Oh, this group's not as spiritual as me. Oh, this group's not as careful as me. Oh, this group's not. No, no, we're not playing any of that. We're going to let people be who they are. And we're going to pray that God works in us and through us to make a difference in this community. Is that fair? Okay.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Our memory verse is Acts chapter four, verse 29. And now Lord, hear their hearts and give us your servant's great boldness in preaching your word. Here's this week's spiritual practice. God reveals himself to each of us in unique ways these experiences often referred to as god moments are personal and undeniable write down a specific way god has revealed himself to you ask for boldness to share this with someone talk with god about areas in your life where you're being stretched criticized or challenged ask god to make you a person of courage as you faithfully tell others about jesus make the words of acts chapter 4 29 and 30 your prayer to god At Brookwood Church, we want to help you pursue your relationship with Jesus so that you can experience a transformed life. One way you can do this is by getting connected at Brookwood. Please email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call 864-688-8326 to speak to someone on our Connections team. Thank you for listening and have a great week.